Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, Arise. How's everybody going in every campus everywhere? Let's make some noise, Arise Church. Come on, even if you're joining us online, I'd love you to make some noise in the middle of that airport lobby, lounge room, hotel room, hospital room. I don't care where you are. Everybody make some noise on the count of three. One, two, three, make some noise. Well, a big morning and welcome to Arise today as we dive into the first message in a new series uh, entitled The Jesus Series. I'm so excited about it. We're going to have a great morning this morning. If it's your first time here to rise, a big welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you in every campus. At the end of the service, there's yellow cards on your seat. We'd love to tell you how you can take your next step in finding out more about what Arise Church is all about. But if you have a Bible near you, can you open it right now? And let's go to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 8 and verse 34. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. If you don't have a Christian, sorry, don't have a Bible, turn to a nearby Christian. That'd be absolutely amazing. I stuffed up my own joke and I say it all. It's a dad joke around here. I, I even say it every week. If you're ever going to the doctor or in your life you ever go to the dentist, anybody here just feel apprehensive about going to the dentist? I have a great dentist, I don't mind anymore, but it's got a lot easier. When I was a kid, it was excruciating to go to the dentist. Now we have all these modern machines that make things so much easier. And give me every injection. Don't ask, just give it to me. (laughs) Anybody else with me? Do you want? Yes, yes, I do. You won't be able to, I don't care. Just give it to me. I hate pain, okay? If you ever go to the doctor or you ever go to the dentist, then one thing you don't want in your doctor or dentist is a people pleaser. Okay, if I'm going to go to a doctor or I'm going to go to a dentist, the one thing I don't want is somebody who is afraid or insecure about telling me what I really need to hear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. So you've got this little problem and uh, it's going to be okay. But, you know, it'd be really good if you stopped eating, you know, that thing. And then you find out later that what they're actually trying to tell you is you have a massive allergy. And if you keep eating that same thing, it's going to end your life. You're like, don't sugarcoat it. Tell me what I need to hear. I, I want the truth. I don't care if it's brutal. I want the truth. I don't care if it's confrontational. Yeah, you know, if you don't get the filling, then one day this could be a bigger issue. What you actually find is that you're five days away from needing a root canal if we don't fix this thing right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, give me the truth. I want the truth. I don't care if it's painful. I don't care if it hits me in the face. I would rather that you love me enough to tell me what I need to hear then be afraid because you're worried about how I might perceive you if you tell me what I don't want to hear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Last, uh, my my son Will is over here in the auditorium, and uh, that's $3, Will. And last last October, uh, Will and I were snowboarding on the mountain, which is biblical, by the way. The Bible says that you should come up high and worship me. And I'm just trying to be a Christian. Following Jesus, just, I'm not taking a day off to go snowboarding. No people, no people. I'm being a good believer. I'm going up high. 
to worship Jesus. Which one? Why my other favorite sport is weightboarding, because the Bible says if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on water. So I'm, I'm just trying to be a good believer here. And Will and I were up the top of the mountain, we were snowboarding, and he did what every rookie snowboarder does once, once. And that is he caught a back rail. He was snowboarding down, was going the mountains down that way, and he caught the back rail and went poof like that. If you've done it, you know it's extremely painful. Everybody does it once, but it was spring snow, which is kind of like code for water and rock. And when he hit the ground, even though he had a helmet on, it was a tremendous bang. And we had to bring in the medics and they put Will on one of those little sleds. And those guys are amazing, by the way. They're like powering down the mountain. I was trying to video it, fell over five times. Um, (laughs) Then felt guilty because my son's in a sled and I'm trying to catch it on camera rather than being like, I love you. But anyway, we, we got down there. We got down there to the medical tent and they unstrapped him from his sled and they brought him inside. And I want to describe the medic teams as being people pleasers. Maybe they were afraid we were going to sue the mountain. I don't know. But they were like, yeah, a knock to the head's not really a good thing. So it'd be greater for the next few days. He kind of took it a little bit easy. But it's good. He's breathing. You know, everything's, everything's, everything's okay in that department. And, you know, he's still mildly coherent. That's probably the best he's ever been. So they're, they're like, they're just putting out the, the stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. Because when you're a child has injured themselves as a parent, you were just trying to cherry pick any positives you can find. Like, you just want to know, the kid's all right, we're going to live, I have to call his mother, she might kill me, so we just want, we just want some positive information here, right? And so the, they're like, he's going, but that turned out to be the worst thing. That problem took Will a long time to get over, a little bit of time to get over, like literally about eight weeks, ten weeks, to fully recover from that head knock, because they gave us, rather than what we needed to hear, what they wanted to tell us, or what they thought we wanted to hear. And we, we've got a problem about this because in our culture today, we are a people-pleasing culture. And we are afraid of confrontation. We're certainly as a culture afraid of saying anything that isn't immediately pleasing to the ears of those who hear it. So the combination of our reluctance to be confrontational, it's just part of our modern world that we live in, combined with the systemic insecurity of our culture means that for us, we are not used to hearing things that are honest and confrontational to us. Anybody reckon that's about right? We would rather put some sugar on it. We would rather smooth coat it. We would rather kind of wind into it a little bit easy and then never actually get into it at all. That's what we do. Now, this has got a problem because for us as Christians or as people who are trying to find out more about what it means to follow Jesus, wherever you are on the spectrum today, this is challenging for us because when you come to Jesus, He's not insecure. Are you hearing me? Jesus is not insecure. He doesn't need your praises. He doesn't need you to pat Him on the back and say, I'm so glad you said that. He, he is fully complete in and of Himself, and He loves you enough and me enough to tell us not just what we would like Him to tell us. He loves you enough not to say what you want Him to say, but what you need Him to say. He loves us enough to tell us what we need to hear. And Jesus is willing to accurately and lovingly present us with confrontational truth. Confrontational truth. We still believe in truth out there, right? 
And Jesus will bring truth to bear in our lives, sometimes when we like it, and other times when we don't like it. But he wants to help, and so he gets up in our grill, and he presents us with things that are challenging for us to receive. I mean, one of the greatest examples of this is uh, the rich young ruler. And I talk about him a lot in our church, and that's not because I'm lacking sermon material. <laughs> I talk about the rich young ruler a lot because I think in the day and age in which we live, when we are so obsessed with the three things that he possessed, it is helpful for us to return to him with regularity and remind ourselves that what we spend our lives craving, he already possessed. What we're going after, he already had. Probably 90% of the people under the sound of my voice this morning listening to this message are trying to get at least one of the three things that the rich young ruler already had. And we need to remember that those things might not be what we want them to be when we get them. He had money. He had youth. And we'll get that either by craving to our, clinging to our youth as long as we can and nip-tucking and bopping whatever we can to stay with it. And as someone in their 40s, I'm part of that club right now. Shut up. We, we, want, we want fame regardless of what we have to do to get it. And just remember that this rich young ruler came to Jesus and he literally falls on his knees and he's like, Jesus, I've got a problem. I've got all the things people say you should have and my life is still empty. And remind yourself that you may be going after something in life thinking it's gonna make you happier, more complete, it's gonna fill a void in your life and spend all this energy going after it and find that it doesn't change the state of your soul. So Jesus gives them some polite answers. Wise people like to lead you, like to put something out there to test whether you're hungry. Jesus gave them a little, a little tidbit. Is he gonna bite? And the man bites. He says, Lord, I've done everything that you told me to do in this moment, and it hasn't helped. I, I'm empty. So the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him. Listen, if you're new to the things of church, what I'm about to say that Jesus said next is going, you're going to be like, wow. And this is why you're important that you hear the preface. Before we go to what Jesus said, hear the motivation for what he said. He wasn't saying, I hate you and you're awful and I can't stand the fact that you have money. I'm here to ruin your life. No, he looked at him and he loved him. And he said, if you want, if you want eternal life, if you want riches in heaven, if you want your soul to finally be at peace, you aren't gonna find it in the things that you've got. In fact, you have to sell everything you have and then come and follow me. Wait, what? You have to sell everything you have, Jesus said, and then come and follow me. You are possessed by your possessions. What you have is not a blessing to you, it's a curse for you. And if you will empty yourself of what you currently have, then I will give you the life that you are after. That is called brutal honesty. That's called confrontational truth. That's called wham, bam. That's called something that hits you and leaves you in awe that the person would be willing to say it to you. In fact, what Jesus said in this moment was uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. What Jesus said in this moment was confrontational. I mean, I don't know about you, but at some level it's inspirational, right? That Jesus is willing to call us out into the depths like that. 
But most importantly, what Jesus said to this man was transformation. He's trying to help this guy to find the life that God wants each and every one of us to have. And he loved him enough to challenge him with what he really needed to hear. Jesus doesn't come to us, guys, and offer us boutique spirituality. He's not here with consumeristic spirituality or mysticism. What Jesus presented to this man was transformational truth. Transformational truth. It's John 8, 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not a holiday, not another boat, not another car, not the person you've been staring at across the room for months on end. You will know the truth, and that is what is going to finally cure the malaise of your soul is when you know the truth deep down in the person that you are. Come on, anybody breaking someone around you needs to hear this talk today? See, the thing that we've got to remember about Jesus is that Jesus is Lord and God. He's Lord and He's God. He's Lord and God. He's Lord and God. Help me. He is Lord and God. Come on, I want to hear someone say it in a hotel lobby right now. He is Lord and God. That's what He is. He's God, team. He's God. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He's God. He is, he is the Savior of our souls. Jesus is the God who stepped out of eternity and into time. He's the God who created time to enable our mortal existence. He's the God who knows all, who sustains all, the God who is everywhere. And a relationship with Jesus is not some kind of benign experience. A relationship with Jesus is an invitation into the wild. To have Jesus in our lives is not about just making a measure of improvement. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love improvement. I'm addicted to improvement. I want to know everything that I need to know to get my life a little bit better. And so then we're going to the gym. We're looking for a measure of improvement. We're going, we're going to here to get food advice, and we want a little measure of improvement. And we're, we're trying to get our finances in more order because we want a measure of improvement. None of these things are bad things. These are all good things. But Jesus doesn't bring to our lives a measure of improvement. Like, yeah, if you give up gluten, you'll have more feel, happy feeling in your tummy and better stool. That's not how it works with Jesus. I saw, I saw a meme recently that said, in California, people are so afraid of gluten, you can hold up a bank with a breadstick. <laughs> have you got it yet? That's funny, isn't it? I don't care who you, who you are, that's funny. People are so afraid of gluten, you can hold up a bank with a breadstick. That's brilliant. <laughs> Jesus is not a little self-help help course. I mean, everything is good. I'm not dissing anyone in the church who does that. That's awesome. I do it all the time. I'm trying to help myself. But that's not what Jesus gives us. He doesn't give us a measure of improvement. What Jesus brings to us is transformation. Team. Jesus doesn't give you a safe life. He frees you from your fear. There's a huge difference. Jesus never said that if you have me in your life, you're never going to have challenge or difficulty or bad days. In fact, He kind of guaranteed the opposite. But what He said to us is that if I am in your life, with that comes an assurance that whatever comes your way, I'm going to be with you in the fire, in the storm, in the trial. You won't walk through it alone because I will be there with you. 
Yeah, you should praise God like you mean it. That's amazing. He's not there to slightly improve us. He's there to completely change us. And in order for this complete change to come to us, if God is going to be our God, He must also be our Lord. He is Lord and God. And Jesus is bold enough to tell this rich young ruler, I am God. And if you want me to change your life, buddy, you don't fit me into everything that you already have. It's not about saying, I want you to, I want, it's not about saying we're going to add Jesus to our burgeoning schedules. It's not about saying we're going to make Jesus another priority in the myriad of priorities in our lives. It's not about saying I'm going to allow you to become another item on my to-do list. Well, if you want Jesus, if we want Jesus to be our Lord and our God, it means that we are willing to place Him first in our lives above all else. Above all else. Jesus first. We have to make Him Lord and God. And with that in mind, knowing how confrontational our God can be, and knowing how much He loves us and desires to help us, Let's check out our text this morning. Come, O brave souls, if you are ready. Mark 8, 34, this is what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For everyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what could a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone would come after me, bam! He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Guys, that's what we call unfiltered, brutal, honest, transformational truth. Somebody say, truth. He's offering us an opportunity to have our lives radically altered. He's saying to know Jesus, to experience Jesus, to commune with Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one from whom when he returns, a cloud will be at his feet and lightning bolts will shoot from it. The God who speaks to wind and waves and storms and we're in Wellington, we get that and they immediately are silenced and still. The God who speaks things that don't even exist as though they already did exist and they come to exist because He spoke the earth into existence. The God who sustains all things and is all things is inviting you and I. This God who can do all and is through all and is in all and be in all is inviting you and I into relationship with Him. And He's saying, you could commune with me. You could fellowship with me. You could know me. Wow! But in order for that to take place, you have to first surrender to me. If He's going to be the God of the universe, then He must be the Lord of our hearts. He must be the Lord of our hearts. He's worthy not just of my affection, but He's worthy of my devotion, and He's worthy of my surrender. I was a church kid, raised in church. We got any church kids out there? If you're a church kid, you may know this song, but we used to sing this song, and it used to go like this. It used to go, All to Jesus 
I surrender. Where's my church kids at? All to thee, my freely give. I will ever love and trust. You guys are doing great. In his presence, daily give. We're going to do it again because I thought Hamilton was a little lackluster. All to Jesus. Oh, much better. I surrender. Come on, Dunedin. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence day. And the, and the church I went to, there'd also be a lady like this. <laughs> That's an over 40s joke right there. Oh, we love that last line. In his presence, daily live. Give it to me. Ow! I'm going to live in the presence. Let's give me some of that, you know? Let's have some more presence. I want some more presence. Listen, young people, not with a T, not presence. Presence. I want the presence of Jesus in my life. That would be amazing. Oh, I'm down with that. Well, the Bible is literally offering us to live daily in the presence of Jesus. But the first three lines are the key, and that, that opens the door for line number four. So for line number four, in His presence I'll daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Thee I begrudgingly, sorry, I freely give. And then I'm going to love and I'm going to trust Him. And then the outcome of that is that in His presence I'm going to daily live. And Jesus is saying to us, guys, that if we are willing to surrender, surrender. Surrender is the key that gives us access to the person and the presence of Jesus. He is Lord and He is God. And listen, we can come to church and we can lift our hands in worship. That might be because we love the song that we're singing rather than the fact that we're surrendering. Come on, everybody reckon someone around you was doing that today? Just, just turn your eyes in the direction of the person you think that was. We can lift our hands because we like the worship, not necessarily because it is an act of worship. So Jesus gives us a confrontational truth. He says, if you want to come after me, if you want this thing to really change your life, it can, it can. I just want to be straight up again and say this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this is not a religion, this is a relationship. And when you find Jesus in your life, he doesn't just become a cutesy little trophy. He is not, he is not a waiting room deity. He's not a little statue. He's not just something benign and pleasant and cute that we can think about in moments of loss or mourning or difficulty or trial. Jesus is not a feel-good little charm that you keep in your wallet for when things aren't going well and you pull it out and rub it. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, the king of our hearts, the majestic king of glory, the wonder of the universe, the lover of our souls, the savior of our world, the healer of our hearts, the freer of our curses, the transformer of our destiny. I need a hundred people on every campus to lift a great praise to this Jesus. Come on, He is truly our King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus is saying, if you want me in your life, then this is how you get it. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. Because whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. I used to be a lifeguard on the west coast of Auckland, wore the little Speedos. You'd love to see a photo of that, wouldn't you? 
No, never will. There are a few photos strictly forbidden from the Arise environment. But you know, we get out there on that West Coast beach, Bethel's Beach. I'm not talking about some cutesy little beach like we have here in Wellington. I'm talking about a raging West Coast. People died when I was on patrol. I'm talking about a West Coast Auckland beach. Why would you swim there? It is suicide. Don't ever do it. Parents hug your children. It's not a good place to go. We'll be out there, and the worst people to try and save were when you got out the back, and I'm trying to grab somebody and get them back to shore, and they would be trying to literally drown me so that they could stay above the water for another 10 seconds. So they taught us how to do this choker hold. We would literally approach them from behind, not even say we could tell the frenzy. So we'd come up behind them and literally just put our arm around them like this, then whisper sweet things. But we would get them so that they could not in any way get their arms to us. Their arms are I'm behind. Get them like this so that we, because if you're trying to save yourself, you'll end up killing the lifeguard and yourself. You have to trust in order to be saved. And the Bible is literally saying, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. You will drown in your past and you'll drown in your shame and you'll never find, if you're trying to manage your problems and not letting God be God, if you're pushing Him to the outside and trying to walk your way through, clinging to your own independence from your Savior, you'll ruin the course of your life. It's confrontational truth. Anybody reckon someone around you needs to hear it? Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. You have to be willing to let me be God. Then he follows up with this amazing and awesome question. He goes, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you forfeited your soul? What good would it be if you had everything and lost what is central to you? That very thing that is making you think right now that I should not trust Jesus fully and completely. Is it more important than you? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you would bow all you have, if you would open up your heart fully and completely to me, you would discover about me that I love you more than I love the, just as much as I love the rich young ruler. That I care about you uniquely, purely, unselfishly, perfectly but you must be willing to surrender what you have to me. You must be willing to let me be your Lord and God. See, here's the thing about why you don't want a sugar-coated doctor. You don't change without confrontation, right? I mean, if you go to the doctor and your health is not that good and the doctor says, yeah, by the way, just as you're leaving this morning, it'd be a great idea if you took a half an hour walk every day. You're gonna go, yep, thank you, doctor, walk out and you're never gonna go for a walk, never, never. But if the doctor sits you down and says, listen, I need to talk to you. Your tests are heading in a southward direction. Actually, if you don't get out and for 30 minutes a day, just walk with one foot in front of the other, by the time you're 60, your bone density is going to be so thin that they're going to be wheeling you to the cafe in a wheelchair. Then you're going to get your butt out the front door and you're going to walk. He told you not what you wanted to hear, but what you needed to hear. And because he was loving enough to be confrontational, it might have the power to actually change your life. You're still in charge. It's your life, but at least he told you what you needed to hear. 
And when we come to Jesus, He's telling us not what we'd like to hear, but what we need to hear. And He's saying, listen, you can't make me the Lord of your life and try and keep everything in your life as well. It doesn't work like that. In fact, here's a verse of Scripture that's been messing me up for the last 12 months. It's Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39. It says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. If your first concern is yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you will forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. This is Jesus. If you will forget about yourself and look to Jesus, you'll find both Jesus and yourself. And team, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people that are going to be willing to stop primarily pursuing themselves and instead are going to spend their lives pursuing Him. Why? Because that's the way we can have the life that God wants us to have. That's His desire. Not so we can take, but so that He can assure, guard, protect, lead, direct, and orient our lives into the plan that He truly has for us. Am I talking to anybody out there today? See, see the true thing is about our lives is that we're holding a lot in our hands. We really are. I mean, listen, in our hands, we're holding all the stuff. We're like, you know, well, I got my... I got my career, and I've worked really hard for it, and I'm holding it in my hand. It's a good career, right? And, and, and I've, got, I've got my relationship. Okay, getting this all sorted now. I've got my relationship. Married couples giving eyes at each other all over the auditorium. That's good, that's good. I've got my relationship, and, and in my life, I've got, I've, got my, I've, got, I've got my children. That's great, eh? Some people, some people don't think that, but I do, but today anyway. And I, I, I've got a few holidays that I'd like to take. It's my blue box. And, and I've, I've, got, I've got my dreams for the future. And I've got me. And I'm great. I mean, look at me. Who wouldn't want to be me? Okay. Well, these boxes are better than your boxes, aren't they? I mean, and then we come to Jesus. Hey, Jesus. I'd like your help. Could you help me? You can. How? Where are you? You're there. Where? Right there. Just up there. But how do I get you? But I can't, I've got all this stuff in my hands. How am I going to reach out to you? with all this stuff in my hands. You gotta let go. I can't, what do you mean I gotta let go? I've got all this stuff, I gotta, I'm trying to hold it. How am I gonna get, how am I gonna reach out to you? 
And God is literally looking at us and he's saying, there's only one way. If you want me, I'm right there. But if you're going to reach up, you're going to have to let go. Unless you're willing to take your boxes and put them down, you're never going to reach up and find that which you crave. So there has to be a willingness in us to put down, to put aside, to deny ourselves, to empty ourselves and put down what is in our hands so that then we can reach and find the one who holds it all in the palm of his hands and extends his grace and his love towards each and every one of us. See, I need you to understand that we're looking for help with our soul, but this is not your soul. Your family is not your soul, and your background, your, your dreams are not your, and your possessions and the house you've worked so hard to buy is not your soul, and the career you have is not your soul. Your life is not in what you have. This is a theme of the Bible because it's truth that can change us. What is your soul? What is your life? Colossians 3.3, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is not in what you have, it is in Jesus. I need a loud amen for that. And if we are gonna find the life God has for us, we have to be willing to take what we hold and let go. We have to be willing to reach out. I've got a new book coming out. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping to bring it out for a Rise Conference this year. I've actually said that in church, but it's now going to be a Rise Conference 2020. So come back next year. Great things are ahead. And my glacial pace will finally get me there. But the book is called God Questions. And, and the first, the introduction of the book is based around our passage. Because when I was 19 years old and uh, I started to connect to Jesus at the age of 18, I was totally away from God, got saved found Jesus when I was 18, and by the age of 19, I was like, I want to make my life count for Jesus. And I had a dream in my heart. My dream was that I would pursue ministry. But what was also happening, I'd been in an insurance company for four years, and my job was beginning to take off there. Like, they were, managers were starting to sit me down and go, you know, keep going, you're doing well. And I was studying insurance law, like, yay. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Let's find out how we can reimburse people for disasters. This is going to be awesome. And anyway, God bless every insurance person. I think I've just lost a few congregational members. But anyway, it didn't really thrill me. But, but I, was, I, was, I, was, I had a career. And it was the bird in my hand. Do you know what I mean? Like I, and I'm like, God saying to me, quit it all with no guarantees and pursue ministry. Volunteer. There's hardly any jobs in this country in ministry. Precious few. And, and God's saying to me, you, you, you do that. So I went to my pastor and I said, pastor, I've got a job, I've got a career, but this is what I feel God's saying to me. And I remember sitting down at his home and a little round table and he didn't give me an answer. He gave me a question. He said to me, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? What would you go after? that will be worth more than trusting your life. And that day I learned that I had to take my dreams 
my future, my career. And I had to let go of that box. I'm desperately trying to avoid the pink one, so I'm going to turn that over and go for the blue one instead. It's on YouTube, people. Let's keep the blue. Yes, I am that insecure. Yes. I was probably 19, 20 years old, still in that same opening window. And at the end of a church service, you've heard this if you're an Arise person, but at the end of the church service, everybody was walking out the foyer and I was on my way to the beach with my friends. And I felt like the Holy Spirit say to me, you can't go to the beach with your friends. I'm like, why? That's a good thing. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, no. So I got in, hopped in the car with my parents and went home for sandwiches. I was driving in the back seat of the car, kind of angry at God, like, God, why can't I go to the beach and hang with my friends? And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, he said, John, in your life, you will never have a Sunday afternoon. You never will. Other people will have different priorities for their time than you will, and it'll be for the rest of your life. God was saying to me, my time is yours. You better put down that box. That was just a dramatic effect. <laughs> and we could go through story after story. And listen, I've been following Jesus for a while, and I don't want to give you a picture like suddenly I've arrived. Not, not, no, in fact, God is so kind. If I had a known all the things that were wrong with me when I was 18, I probably would have given up on the journey. But God is so kind. He only showed me one fault when I was 18. But now I'm much closer to Jesus. I'm so much more aware of every problem in my life that is still not like Jesus. Anybody out there understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, thank you for the five honest people. A lot of liars out there today. But the <laughs> Thank you, Jillian. That was a great laugh. But <laughs> I think she was laughing at how flawed I am, actually. I'm not quite sure where it was oriented from, but anyway... Uh, she's like, John, you're still lying to yourself. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> We've been married for 23 years. It's going okay. But um, <laughs> what was I saying before Jillian interrupted me? <laughs> if serving Jesus, if knowing Jesus, if following Jesus for this length of time has taught me anything, it has taught me that I, if you will give your life, if we will open our lives, if we will lay down our lives for Jesus, then we only end up finding the life that he really has for us. There is an exchange. There is a price. But Jesus says, if you want me, you must be willing to lay your boxes down, to empty yourself, and if we will enter into this wild exchange, we will find the King of Kings and Lord of Lords so powerful and so real that it will absolutely change the very person that we are. And if you believe that, why don't you stand to your feet and give God some praise. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.